welcome to Easy Bake, Bake Takes, the podcast, where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, we're doing underrated movies. I picked the movie Down With Love, which was also a suggestion from one of our followers, Nikki, who requested this movie for her birthday, which is today, the day we're recording. So happy birthday, Nikki. Happy birthday. This is one of my favorite movies from childhood that wasn't a kid's movie. And it came out in May of 2003. It's classified as a romance comedy and is an hour and 42 minutes long. If you don't know the plot, this is the plot. In 1962, aspiring author Barbara Novak arrives in New York to submit her book Down With Love to Banner House Publishing. It is about freeing women from love, enjoying sex without commitment, and replacing the need for a man with things such as chocolate. Barbara believes her rules will help boost women in the workplace and the world in general. When Banner House's male executives reject the book, Vicki Hiller, Barbara's editor, suggests Barbara meet with Catcher Block, a successful writer for No Magazine and a notorious ladies' man, to help promote the book. However, Catcher repeatedly avoids meeting Barbara until, fed up, she insults him. Catcher's boss and best friend Peter McManus and Vicky develop a mutual attraction, but neither is brave enough to express their feelings. Peter feels overshadowed by Catcher's strong personality, and Vicky wants to see strength in her lover, even assuming Peter must be gay. Barbara and Vicky persuade Judy Garland to sing Down With Love on the Ed Sullivan Show to promote the book. Sales skyrocket as women around the world rebel against their men. Catcher now wants to meet Barbara, but she rejects him. The breaking point comes as Barbara appears on a national TV show and discusses a chapter from her book, The Worst Kind of Man, and cites Catcher Block as the perfect example, causing the women he dates to reject him. Catcher schemes to prove Barbara really wants love and marriage like every other woman. He poses as Major Zip Martin, a polite and attentive astronaut. Barbara is immediately infatuated with a man who seems unaware of her celebrity in contrast to the men who now avoid her since her book was published. As Zip takes her to fashionable New York locations, he maintains sexual tension by feigning naivete and a desire to remain chaste until he is ready for a physical relationship. His plan becomes complicated after he starts falling for her. When Barbara encounters Catcher slash Zip at a party, which nearly exposes his true identity, he decides to take things to the next level. He tells her Catcher Block wants to interview him for an expose on the NASA program and asks her to be there. At his apartment, he sets everything up to record her saying she loves him. Just as they are about to have sex, one of his lovers, Gwen Gwendolyn walks in. Not knowing who Barbara is, she exposes Catcher's identity, forcing him to confess to Barbara. Barbara then reveals she is actually Nancy Brown, one of Catcher's many former assistants, who'd fallen in love with him whilst working at No. She had turned down a date with him, refusing to be another fling. She wanted to be different from the other women he knew, and make him fall in love with her. Catcher proclaims he wants to marry her, but Gwendolyn, having overheard Barbara Novak's name, thanks her for what she has done for womankind. Barbara realizes she does not want love or Catcher, as she has become a real down with love girl. Vicky and Peter's relationship also changes when she insults him for helping Catcher. Peter says he is indeed like any other man and takes Vicky to Catcher's apartment to have passionate sex with her. Days later, Catcher is completely depressed and has failed to win back Barbara. Even his expose, which he wrote on how falling in love with her made him a better man, is ruined now that Barbara has told her story in her own magazine, Now. Catcher goes to Now on the pretense of a job interview. He tells Barbara how much she has changed him and wishes there could be a middle ground for them, somewhere between her confident blonde persona and her original brunette self. After he leaves her office, she surprises him on the elevator, showing him a bright red hairstyle. She has found the middle ground and wants to be with them. They elope to Vegas, inspiring Vicky and Peter to also get married. The end credits show Barbara and Catcher's marriage has resulted in a new book aimed at ending the battle of the sexes. The pair sing Here's to Love. 
the end. So this movie was directed by Peyton Reed, who also directed Yes Man and the Ant-Man film series. Hmm. The writers are Eve Ehlert and Dennis Drake, and both have story credits for the movie Legally Blonde 2, uh, which I love. And then the cinematographer for this movie was Jeff Cronenweth, who did the cinematography for Gone Girl, The Social Network, One Hour Photo, Fight Club, and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Holy cow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Then this movie was edited by Larry Bach. The costume design was done by Daniel Orlandi, who did the costume design for Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. Silicon, Silicon Valley and the Highwaymen. And then oh my god. Product- <laughs> production design was by Andrew Laws, who did the production design for the show, The Witcher. Set decoration was by Don Dears, who did the set design for Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Oh my god. And then the art direction was by Martin Whist, who did the production design on Super 8 and also Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. Also Cloverfield and Cabin in the Woods. Oh my god. And then the music was by Mark Shaman, who's who did the music for the Adams Family movie from 1991, did the music for Patch Adams, and has done music for South Park. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, that one, that last week, or not last week, when we did Camera yeah. Hat, yeah. and there was also just a crazy, crazy crew. Emmy Award winning cinematographer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like kind of nuts. It's like, wow, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the cast, we have Renee Zellweger as Barbara Novak, Ewan McGregor as Catcher Block, David Hyde Pierce as Peter McManus, Sarah Paulson as Vicki Hiller, Tony Randall as Theodore Banner, and Rachel Dratch as Gladys. And then we have the trivia. So this movie had a $35 million budget and made $39.5 million at the box office, so just barely breaking even. And my first trivia fact, the sets, costumes, cinematography, editing, score, opening credits, and visual effects, including split-screened shots during the phone call heavily laced with double entendres between the two leads, echo the style of Hollywood sex comedies from 1959 to 1964, from Pillow Talk to Sex and the Single Girl. It's pretty obvious from watching the movie that that's what's happening. Oh, yeah. It looks really good, in my opinion. I really enjoyed the cinematography, or not the cinematography, the um, the costumes in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I really, really liked them. The visuals as a whole just looked perfect. Yeah. It was very much the aesthetic of that time, definitely. 100%. Makes you want to go watch Mad Men. Yes, yeah. But to also go with the visual style of the movie, to create this movie's vivid stylized appearance, cinematographer Jeff Cronenweth digitally color-timed the movie to simulate the appearance of three-strip Technicolor. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. I like that. And then another visual thing is that the New York skyline of 1962 was digitally recreated for the backdrops. A green screen technique was used to simulate unconvincing 1960s rear projection using restored street footage from the late 1950s and early 1960s. You can definitely tell like when they're in front of a green screen or their backdrops, but I think that... I think it's intentional. It's it's very intentional because that's how it looked on TV and movies back in the day. So they're just replicating what we saw back in the old movies. It was very intentional. So it's not like it's it's bad. It's just. Yeah, it was on purpose. Everything in this movie is very on purpose. For sure. And then the extra scenes at the end with Ewan McGregor and Renee Zellweger singing a duet was filmed at the insistence of the actor and actress. Mm -hmm. They said that with both of them having been in musicals previously, McGregor was in Moulin Rouge and Zellweger was in Chicago, that it would be a sin not to do it or like not to have them have a musical number together. Yeah, I love that. I love how they're Mm -hmm. like, no, we got to do it. We can't not. The people will riot. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. They just both really wanted to do it. (laughs) They're like, we gotta. (laughs) I love that. 
and then something that like until I knew what this was, I it never I never really picked up on it because I didn't know enough about history to know this. But the movie makes a lot of references to Operation Paperclip, which is the post World War II U.S. government project that transferred Nazi scientists who developed the V two rockets that bombed London to work on the beginnings of the U.S. space program. So like the B narrative is about that. Oh yeah, definitely. And then the next thing is that everything the characters wore from head to toe was custom made for them. Well, you could tell because like it's very um, form fitting and it just Mm -hmm. makes, yeah, that makes sense. Perfectly tailored. like Perfectly tailored. Everything's perfect. Similar to like, uh, that's how they did it for Mad Men as well. It was Mm -hmm. like everybody had like, especially the women had like stuff made for them. And Mm -hmm. I think this is just, here, let me have my Mad Men side fun fact yeah christina Hendricks was the only woman on the cast that wore an actual bra from the 60s wow dang (laughs) yeah she said she's still like i think it was like when it was still filming but she has like scars from those fucking bras oh yikes yeah oh it's awful and they must have given her the option because maybe she wanted to know what it was like like this woman's a little bitchy, so I need to feel the pain she was feeling. Yeah, we'll get to get in the headspace of a woman working. God, that yeah. sounds awful. It does. I, I don't like wearing the brows of today. So. I, I, was, I was about to say, so I can only imagine back then. And then another fact is that in an interesting piece of coincidence, Judy Garland appeared on a black and white television singing Down With Love. Renee Zellweger later won an Academy Award for portraying Garland in Judy from 2019. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've never seen her portrayal of Judy Garland, but she won an Academy Award for it. So So there you go. I couldn't find it. So was that an actual footage of Judy Garland singing that song? Yes. Okay. That's really interesting because I was like, is that actually her or is it? Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. And then the last fact that I have is... This was director Peyton Reed's first experience with the Panavision anamorphic format. He would later revisit the format when he directed two episodes of the second season of The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian Chapter 10 and The Mandalorian Chapter 16. This film remains the only film under Peyton Reed's directed filmography that did not reach the number one spot in its opening weekend. Dang. Wow. Love that. Love The Mandalorian. Do you have any, like, scope of what episodes those are? Because I don't... Uh, chapter 10, The Passenger. From season two. Spoiler warning for The Mandalorian. Skip to 11 minutes, 13 seconds. In season two. I've only watched it once, and I'm probably wrong. I think it's the one where he's trying to get this kind of like frog lady to another planet, and Grogo won't stop eating her eggs. <laughs> That's a little side plot in it. He keeps telling him no, he won't stop eating them. Makes sense if it's called The Passenger and they have to take somebody, so, you know. Yeah, and it's a really good episode. And then The Rescue, what season is that in? They're both from season two. Oh, how does season two end? Oh, they have to go rescue Grogu, and they get reunited, and that's when uh, Pedro Pascal takes off the mask, and you get to see Spoilies. him. Spoilies. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started talking about Mandalorian. I'm going to ruin it for everyone. <laughs> Probably cut that out. Uh, but that was my last trivia. Were you about to say something? Uh, just like a crazy like cast and crew to work on this movie, and just knowing what they made later on—that's insane. I just I love facts like that. Mm-hmm. But that was the last of my trivia. How about we move on to our thoughts and opinions? You go ahead. This is my first time ever seeing it. Literally saw it like two hours ago, for first time. <laughs> it was cute. Not a huge rom com person, but I thought it was pretty good. You can tell minutes within this movie, it knows exactly what it's doing in everything, especially its comedy. Like it knows what it is, which I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. It's for the bit, you know? Oh, 
Oh, yeah. It's all satire. It's all satire. Costumes are amazing. Knowing the facts that you told us about how it was filmed and all that, like, you can tell, like, a lot a lot went into it. In general, it's hit or miss with me with rom-coms. Understandable. I like this one, though. I did. I had a hard time paying attention through all the way. But I feel like whenever I, ha- I was distracted and went back to it, I felt like I knew what was going on anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a hard movie to follow. No. It's pretty simple. It, it's it's very, a very simple plot. And yeah. Even with the little kind of contrived twist at the end that it's. Yeah. Like- <laughs> he's he's tricking her whole time. She's tricking him. And then they fall in love. Psycho behavior <laughs> when you think about it. Well, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I mean, he's just kind of a villain through the whole thing. I mean, I meant her. Oh, yeah, she is too. I mean, yeah. they're mad for each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what the movie literally told us. Like, literally. I don't know. I was just hating on you and McGregor through the Wait, whole he- thing. His character's a piece of shit, but he has a he has an arc, at least. Yeah, the last 20 minutes he probably does. Quick little becoming a better person arc <laughs> in the last 20. Like, I had a hard time liking his character, just knowing the whole time he was, like, trying to trick her. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time liking his character. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to. I don't think you are, too. I love Sarah Paulson in it. She's fantastic. I love her in anything. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Always knows what the assignment is. Mm-hmm. Overall, I thought it was good. I can see how it can be a cult classic. And everyone does a good job. No one does a bad job. Everyone does a great job in this movie. No complaints there. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Well, you know, I watched this probably around like five or six. Took me a few years to understand the phone scene. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask, like, did it take a few years to understand what they were talking about <laughs> the whole movie? Or yeah, there were there were a lot of things where I was like, I didn't understand the joke in the beginning, where it was like down with love, up with chocolate, with like the little pause, and you think she's gonna say that masturbating is the um yeah is the solution, but it's chocolate. So there there are a lot of jokes and innuendos and things that I definitely did not get. I just I loved the music and the vibes. I guess I've always loved the sixties. Since I was a child, it was colorful, kind of a cat in the hat situation. I was just enthralled by the colors and everything. Yeah. I love her apartment a lot. Gorgeous. Oh, uh, the way she says, oh, it's adorable. I'm like, yes. are you kidding? <laughs> and, and when Vicky like opens there, she's like, I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> you just expect like a dilapidated exposed ceiling loft and it's fucking high ceiling penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> balcony skyline view wraparound balcony too yeah a a fire pit in the middle of the fucking living room like come on yeah fantastic all the outfits in this movie especially the little montage whenever they're trying to meet up with catcher they just have their like coordinated outfits Mm mm-hmm it's just campy, colorful fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say about it. Is there anything else you want to say? No. Well, we'll move on to the critics then. So it had a 60% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, a 62% from audience, and a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. So in the middle. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. So the first review I have is from DVD Journal by Betsy Bosdick. You gave it a three out of four. <laughs> Betsy starts with, quote, Unlike the best-selling advice at the heart of its plot, Down With Love isn't for everyone. Engineered from head to toe, or perhaps that should be from chic hat to stylish pump, to recreate the look and feel of a Doris Day Rock Hudson movie from the mid-60s, director Peyton Reed's faithful homage slash affectionate send-up of those cotton candy pictures isn't your modern run-of-the-mill romantic comedy. By mixing the 60s aesthetic with the 21st century attitude, Reed has created something much more fun and interesting than 
than your average Sandra Bullock or Julia Roberts vehicle, end quote. Yeah, they're probably right about um, that's not for everyone. Because mm-hmm. again, if you're not a huge rom-com person, I mean, mm-hmm. the way they said engineered is pretty accurate. They, they nailed it. <laughs> yeah. It does, like, because of the stylized nature of it, it inherently is just, it's going to stand out from whatever other rom-coms were coming out at that time. Yeah. But just the Sandra Bullock-Julia Roberts thing just made me think of Julian Salamita whenever I was, like, writing all this. I was just like, oh, nightmare, nightmare. He can't tell the difference. (laughs) He just cannot. That is so funny. So Betsy also says, quote, The whole thing, of course, is carefully and precisely crafted to match the stylized, sunshiny innocence of Day Hudson films. From Barbara's pink suits and cardboard cutout skyline view to Catch's swinging bachelor pad and impeccable grooming, Down With Love's production design is spot on, end quote. Definitely. Carefully and precisely crafted. Like that, that really, it, they nail it. And then they say, quote, Even the jokes have a 60s quality. The stars exchange obvious innuendos in the midst of their witty banter and the beatnik become the butt of a few jokes during the party scene, end quote. And then, quote, knowing all of this at the outset helps make Down With Love come across as intended, creative and clever, rather than loopy and strange. If you get Down With Love, chances are you'll like it. If you don't, try a few Doris Day classics or a few martinis and give it another go, end quote. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and then they also, they complimented the music and the cinematography, but that was the end of their review. Yeah, the music good, cinematography's good. Yeah, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, eh. Yeah. Next, we have the independent critic Richard <gasps> Cropes. No way. Who gave it a C plus. And Richard says, quote, I'd been resisting seeing this film starring Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor for quite some time. Something just hasn't felt right. Despite the fact that I am a fan of both performers and enjoyed this type of 60s style romantic comedy, something just hasn't felt right. So I've avoided this film. Tonight, I finally rented this film. And here I am at the end of the film. Still feeling like something isn't right, end quote. He's like pitching it like it's a horror movie. <laughs> I just, it was too scary. Too scary. <laughs> you McGregor smile. Looks like he's going to bite someone. <laughs> <laughs> something evil peers behind this. Uh, but he, he says, quote, First, I was bothered by Zellweger, which surprises me. I adore her in almost everything, and yet I never felt like she firmly established a character here. Was she city? Was she country? Was she really going to commit to acting either one? I never bought the performance because I could never clearly see who she was trying to be, end quote. Which I I won't disagree with that. I think her character is very like, I'm a lady. I am here. And that's what I was thinking too. And after seeing the whole movie and knowing she had ulterior motives the whole time, I don't think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying he's wrong or anything, but um, I don't know. While you're watching it, I could see it coming across that way, but yeah. It didn't fully bother me. I didn't think about it. Yeah. But then he also says, quote, McGregor, on the other hand, appeared to have a blast playing catcher block. He certainly had the look down, the style, the charisma. Yet, I have to admit that his accent bothered me. I never heard an explanation for the accent, and yet it was clearly not New York. Other than this minor issue, I loved McGregor here, end quote. I have my opinions. I don't. You and McGregor doing an accent is interesting at times. I'm not saying he's bad at them. Mm Mm-hmm. This was just him talking, though. This was just how he sounds. Why couldn't he do New York, though? Could he? Could he not? (laughs) Probably not. Like, I don't think it's outlandish for someone to move to the U.S. from the U.K. and work in New York. It's not outlandish, but I do get what he's saying because I also noticed it. And I was like, I also wondered, like, are they going to say he's from the U.K. or are we just going to keep going? Not that it's important. I know it's not important. It has nothing to do with the story. But I also did notice the accent. I will say I agree with him here. Yeah. 
I just don't think it changes anything about it. No, it doesn't change anything, but it it just, you just notice it, you know? <laughs> he does refer to it as a minor issue. I don't think there's an issue about it, but I, do, I did notice it. It's something you notice. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, can he not do an probably accent? Probably not. It probably would have been worse if he tried to do an accent. That's what I'm thinking, too. It sounded like a slightly, slightly Americanized version of his accent, just like a tiny bit. Yeah. Probably as much as he could do without it sounding ridiculous. But mm -hmm. then he goes and does the Zip Martin yeehaw accent. But... It works in that way because of, you know, how campy the movie is. So yeah. therefore, he's going to have this outrageous accent that, can, you know. Yeah. He also says, quote, I love the set design, the colors, the style. While we certainly don't see films like this anymore, it is fun to watch and paced nicely. It did feel like the sexual innuendo was over the top. While 60s romantic films certainly had innuendo, it was more subtle, more playful too often. We would bounce from innocent to dirty in four seconds. It was abrupt and felt out of place. I'm far from a prude, but it just didn't seem to fit here, end quote. I understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. It's like we're at a time where we're allowed to do that more we're way past whatever they could get away in the 60s yeah i don't know if you can do what exactly what they did in the 60s and it be enough for people i'm not saying would it be good or it wouldn't be funny but it needed that oomph i guess <laughs> yeah it needed it needed to be exaggerated to kind of match the actual times that we're in which yeah. this came out in the what 90s 2003 no, 2003, yeah. It'd probably be rated like G if they were doing what they were doing in the 60s. Like, Yeah. Richard ends with, quote, The music here is wonderful, the mood perfect, the supporting cast wonderful, including a perfectly cast David Hyde Pierce. It was nice to see Tony Randall again, and Sarah Paulson was competent, but not fantastic. Ooh. In short, this film is far from a dud, but I just don't feel like it ever decided what it wanted to be. I question whether director Peyton Reed had a clear vision because clearly I thought the performances lacked focus. This film, I wanted it to be a B-range film, but I just can't justify higher than a C plus, end quote. I was on his side until he took down Sarah Paulson. <laughs> yeah, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She was fantastic. I love her. Yeah. So the next review, I swear... All these people, except for Richard, their names sound like they're from the 60s. <laughs> so this next one's from the Long Island Press by Prairie Miller from 2003. <laughs> he gave it a two out of four. So Prairie Miller says, quote, If you're looking for some 21st century screwball comedy drenched in campy attitude and gaudy duds, you're pretty much primed for the inane but spirited excesses of Down With Love. Saturated in equal parts sugary nostalgia and smutty wisecracks, Down With Love manages to pull off both an homage and an insult to the mid-20th century Doris Day rock cuts and flirty, slight, but endearing screen romances, end quote. So next they say, quote, Down With Love celebrates its own silliness with supremely flashy flair and never a dull moment pacing. But the glossy surface of the story and zany exaggerated period outfits nearly upstage the miscast stars. McGregor seems to be flat out uncomfortable with his greased hairdo and slick designer suits. Zellweger, for her part, tries hard but lacks the sensuality, ease, and spontaneous charm of a Doris Day. She comes across more as pouting, mousy, and sitcomish. end quote. Wow. I didn't get that vibe from McGregor. No. Is she supposed to be Doris Day? Why is this person going like, well, she wasn't like Doris Day, so therefore she wasn't good? I think with all the comparison that people make to it being strictly like Doris Day, Rock Hudson, mm -hmm. I guess maybe she didn't achieve Doris Day, but that doesn't mean that she didn't achieve the character she was playing. Yeah. I think she was sensual. Yeah, maybe sitcomish is accurate, but like pouting and mousy, that's, I didn't get that. I understand like her acting chops, I don't think match up with 
like Ewan McGregor's ability okay. in this. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's a, a little bit more, to me, he seems more comfortable in the role. Yeah. I I could say that, yeah, she comes off a little sitcomish with some of the lines she's saying, especially, mm-hmm. and I know it's iconic to a lot of people, and I love this movie, but like her end monologue, it comes off a little caricature-y and mm-hmm. a little sitcom-y. But was the acting good in the Doris Day Rock Hudson movies? Was it not what they were doing in the movie? I don't get this pair. I don't get this point they're trying to make i just i don't see it at all no lastly they say quote the raw sexually suggestive humor of down with love is more characteristic of contemporary stand-up than period screwball and tends to knock all the story's cute cuddly sentimentality on its ass and ewan and renee seem less like love-struck adversaries than an intrigued but jaded pair traveling back in time to play dress up end quote Hmm. as campy as it is there's still like romantic essence to the romantic parts like i don't feel like the humor undercuts any of that yeah i think with me i had a hard time with just the plot of like him trying to get her her trying to get him Mm -hmm. i viewed it as losing that actual romance to it. it it's all piled up at the end but i don't get that for a long time this movie i would put that more on like just what the plot is and just how the how the story goes. I wouldn't blame the actors. I'm not blaming the actors on it. No. At the end of the day, it's all intentional. If that choice didn't work for you, fine. Yeah. So I'll move on to the last critic review I have, which is from The Flick Philosopher by Marian Johansson from May of 2003. Starts with, quote, Sigh. Oh, for the days when the cads wore tuxes, had delicious accents, and were as all-around scrumptious as Ewan McGregor. Not that I'd really want to turn the clock back to an era when the only things women were good for was making coffee and preserving their virginity, but the kind of romantic jape that Down With Love is, the hey, men are jerks so let's meet them on their own ground kind, could only have been set in a world that never existed except on screen 40 years ago, end quote. They like the magic of this thing. Yeah, honestly. And I get that, too. And then they also say, quote, So we get sweet, spunky Renee Zellweger, who's allowed by virtue of the fact that this is a pretend 1962 scene through the knowing eyes of 2003, to be kind of ditzy and so smart in the end that you want to cheer her to be delicately feminine in her endless candy-colored wardrobe and demandingly bitch-on-wheels sexy. (laughs) Doris Day could never have been so bold as Zellweger's Barbara Novak, who actually comes out and uses the S-E-X word to a room full of silverback early 1960s male, 60s males, the publishers of her book about S-E-X and the single girl. But Barbara instead serves both as a surprisingly shocking reminder to us of how far we've come in attitudes about women and in women's attitudes about themselves and how little has really changed. We can talk about sex and talk and talk and talk about it and even have it, but don't expect to get your birth control bills on the insurance company's tab, Missy, end quote. Yeah, no kidding. I really like how they're breaking it down. Like, it's through the lens of 2003, what we already know, and taking on the subject of the 60s and women and for, but for a 2003 movie, it makes sense. And that's why we have, there's more of a conversation and there's those dirty jokes. Yeah. Exactly. And they also say, quote, the wonderful hatted and gloved costumes and the beautiful soundstage bound sets and the glorious rear projection and the catchy loungy soundtrack are all good fun on their own. True. But none of the rest of it would have worked without them. How could we in 2003 be startled to hear Barbara proclaim that all a woman needs is no strings, orgasms and a powerful career when everything and anything goes? Stay at home with a baby. Go back to work and put the kids in daycare. Use a condom. Reclaim your virginity. Dress like a slut. Dress like a nun. It's all good. Whatever makes you happy, which is all fine. Choice is fine. 
but it makes it hard to make a statement. Barbara makes a statement, end quote. Mm. I guess like you can be more than just having the ability to make a choice, I guess, as a woman. It's not just like, oh, you got the choice. Cool. That's the first step. And like what we could do beyond that. I Okay, I can get that. Like what they're saying, Barbara goes beyond what we've established already. Yeah. You can definitely go further with like, you. yeah, you have a choice, but you're still going to be judged for every choice you make. Yeah. So you might as well do what you want. Might as well do what you want. Exactly. And don't care about the rest, you know? Yeah. Which is hard to do when society is telling you not to isn't telling you not to exactly even today well they literally just said too, like even from the 60s we really haven't changed that much we've made progress definitely but it's still there's still stuff that isn't any different we're still having a lot of the same conversations you know yeah so lastly they say quote mcgregor dishes out catches irresistibility with a spoon of course she must fall for him right <laughs> stretch <laughs> Stretching stereotypes to absurd extremes could only work when lots of men and women conform to those types. And reversing them is really all about balance, of course, about embracing the masculine and the feminine in us all. Which, as we drift towards extremes again, from maxim on the one end and the new abstinence on the other, is probably something we need to hear. Oh, and martinis. We all need martinis, too. (laughs) End quote. It's interesting somebody from 2003 talking about each individual human being having a balance of masculine and feminine because like that is still an idea that people today can't wrap their heads around. No, and are very angry about it. So angry. So fucking mad. Like it was never a thought that anybody had before. Like Yeah, like it wasn't a conversation that's been going on for literally since humans started. Yeah, literally. Like my god calm down (laughs) yeah so i just thought it was really interesting that somebody from 2003 could bring up a point like that could articulate it yeah good for them honestly this is awesome but it again like i think they have it right i think that they interpreted this movie in a way that i don't think everybody all the other critics did as much in depth as this person did like really keeping it grounded in like the feminism viewpoint of this movie from that from 2003 right yeah. And McGregor, pretty pretty damn sexy in this movie, so. Oh, yeah. He's he's fantastic. He's doing his thing. <laughs> Don Draper be damned. Mm, honestly. If you're ready, we can move on to the audience reviews. Good to go. So the first review I have is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Clever Comedy from April of 2023. I recently bought a copy of Down With Love. I visited a flea market and the DVD was extremely cheap. I rewatched this movie last night. In my opinion, this movie is a clever comedy. It was a story that is built up with great strengths. Some scenes made me laugh, others made me giggle. Why? Because they were truly funny, if you ask me. I also liked the costumes in Down With Love, especially the female main characters, Barbara's and Vicky's. They were feminine, beautiful, and elegant clothes. The music is also likable in this movie. It fits with the spirit of the 1960s. I have no regrets about buying a copy of Down With Love. I will rewatch it again and again. And yes, that is a promise. Aw, I like that. I also do love the costumes. They are pretty amazing. So good. So good. They went so hard on the costumes. This one's for the books of costumes. Yeah. Two star on Letterboxd from 2021 that says, the only movie more stylized than this is the live action Cat in the Hat. Oh my God. (laughs) It keeps coming back. I feel like we cursed ourselves. (laughs) We did. It's true though. This is like Dr. Seuss levels of stylized. Yeah. That's honestly the bar. Like for now, I feel like if if a movie's super stylized, we're just going to compare it to... Kind of have like top. It's our production design citizen cane. Is <laughs> I think it is actually. We had to say so. I think it is. 
That's fucking hilarious. Okay. Um, the next one is a two-star review from 2020 that says, I hate this movie, but Ewan McGregor is sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you take away anything from this movie, it's that. <laughs> Even if you don't like it, there's that. Yeah. Again, Don Draper be damned. Don Draper be damned. Sorry, John Hamm, I love you, but... That should be the title <laughs> to this episode. Don Draper be damned. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is another two-star from 2022 that says, The end plot twist thing sucked. I hated it. I liked the start in the middle, but the last part ruined everything. Okay, I haven't brought up the ending, and I kind of agree with this. Well, I get it. It's contrived as shit. Yeah, like, when you watch this movie, you're like, this is a rom-com. It, it is talking about feminism and not settling down, women not settling down with men, not marrying, being their own independent woman. And you're like the whole time going, this wouldn't be a rom-com if they didn't end up together and doing the exact opposite the whole movie's fucking talking about. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. And I, to counter it a little, it's like she denies it. She's like, I worked this hard and I became what I was trying to teach other women to be. So I don't want to marry you. And then mm-hmm. at the end, they're like, we'll find our middle ground of me being still being able to be independent and have a happy marriage. So they got to get there. But it's like this whole thing initially was because she wanted him to want to marry her. Mm-hmm. Even if she says no, and whenever it gets to that point in the story, she still did all of this to get him to marry her. It's pretty... I get it. I get why it would ruin the movie for someone. I get that too. And mm-hmm. I, I was thinking that while watching it. I couldn't articulate it until now. You know, she says no, but they still end up getting married at the end. They kind of save it. But it's like, if they lost you at that point, it's kind of like, you can't really get you back on board with it. No. I don't think it ruins the movie for me. When you watch a rom-com, depending on the rom-com, how do I articulate they, this? They always end up together. They always end up together. Unless somebody dies, they end up together. Yeah, like, unless it's a, uh, what are those movies? The Walk to Remember. The, uh, uh, what's a, the, what are they the called? Book. Chris, what's his name? Uh, Nicholas. Nicholas Sparks. If it, unless it's a Nicholas Sparks movie. They still fall every- in love before they die, so. But expect everyone to live. <laughs> Happy Ever After. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was a rom-com, turning it on, knowing it's this feminist take in the 60s. Just knowing, I was like, they're going to end up together. So this movie's going to kind of be a hypocrite to itself. Even though they middle ground it at the end, she still was like, I knew you'd come in for an interview since <laughs> I said it was equal gender interviews. So. Yeah. You sound like Ben Stiller from the movie he was in, where he was a model. You just sounded like Zoolander. <laughs> I knew you'd do it. I knew you'd come back. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's still just like, even though they're like, we'll work, we'll like find a middle ground between it's where you don't have to feel like I'm taking away your independence and like I'll you can be happy. i hair red, so it's fixed. <laughs> She's literally like, I said it was like all genders welcome for my interviews so you would come because I knew you would do it. Like they're still plotting in their yeah. heads, both of them. Like, they're still trying to beat the other. <laughs> yeah. It's a game. But I, and this is my last thing, but like rom-coms in general, not all of them, but there's a lot out there where the woman, there's an issue. The woman's always sacrificing something. Yes. And I didn't not think this movie was going to do that because I was like, there's no way. This movie is about literally not marrying men. I doubt the movie's going to end with her not marrying <laughs> Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. It's not that progressive. <laughs> it's a rom-com. Yeah. So I totally understand this one. I'm really glad we got brought up. The next one is three and a half stars from 2021 that says, kind of felt like I was watching a rom-com on drugs, but anything for you and McGregor. <laughs> I'll do it for you and McGregor. 
Hey, I watched Train Spotting for him, and that was arguably a not not as fun experience as this movie. Dead baby. Dead baby on the ceiling. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. I still sat through it. I think you made me sit through it. I'm not even kidding. I think you did show me that movie. I did. And there was no choice of turning it off. Hey, hey, you showed me Little Birds. I did show you Little Birds. That that's fair. That's our friendship, though. Hey, watch this really fucked up movie I just saw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was really fucked up, yeah. yeah what, the, what the fuck? <laughs> Here's this other one. <laughs> Here's Detachment. If I had to see it, you had to see it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was Detachment. I don't think... We didn't even recommend Detachment to each other. I we had we both, both seen Detachment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think we did. I think we both just <laughs> happened to see it. That was... I'm glad that it wasn't one where one of us made the other watch it because I would not have told you to watch that movie. Yeah. That... That one crossed, <laughs> crossed several, several lines. lines. Yeah. Several lines. It was a lot. Love Adrian Brody? No. Love Adrian Brody. But damn. <laughs> the next review is a three star from 2015 on Letterboxd that says, I was wondering why they got this guy to direct Ant-Man. Then I saw the split screen sex scene and it all made sense. <laughs> yeah, I get that. The, the, the phone scene was stood out to me not just because it was you know dirty but it was like it was not part of the necessarily the 60s theme it stood out in that degree of like oh this is different than the rest of the movie mm -hmm. i just thought it was like a funny little way to do that but yeah yeah it, it definitely isn't within the 60s parameter for sure no i've never seen airman so i don't know how it relates to that but i don't either i'll just take this guy's word on it i believe them Four stars for 2019 on Letterboxd. Fun fact, the concept of love didn't exist until 2003 when this movie was made. Love it. <laughs> no stars. Letterboxd, 2022. Shout out to incredibly beautiful, dark-haired 2000s Ewan McGregor playing a writer who uses a typewriter and falls in love with the movie's it girl. Gotta be one of my favorite genders. <laughs> love it. Same. <laughs> True. That's how I identify personally. <laughs> That's the whole sentence. <laughs> yes. Take that, conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> my pronouns are you mcgregor and down in love <laughs> my, my pronouns are catcher and block so <laughs> fantastic oh jesus <laughs> the next review is a one out of ten from imdb oh no <laughs> titled an attempt that failed miserably from 2006 this movie desperately tries to recreate the atmosphere of the 50s, 60s romantic comedies. No matter whether one likes those kind of movies, they were at least able to convey a bit of charming cat and mouse game of the characters. However, this movie fails miserably trying to do this because the props are too exaggerated and look rather ridiculous. Still, this is something one could put up with. But the dialogues are breathtakingly stupid and dull. If you're looking for a movie to put yourself or somebody else to sleep, this is the flick to go for. It is quite hard to understand what the agent and the main actors must have thought accepting these roles. Ewan McGregor had already shown outstanding abilities as an actor, but the choice to take on this role is rather arguable. One can only hope that the paycheck was hefty. Otherwise, I cannot think of any other reason why somebody would, want, would do such a movie. This was during the time he was doing episode three of Star Wars, by the way, too. Oh, that's the reason right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dumb. I should have mentioned that at the top. Yeah. He went to a premiere in Australia for Star Wars, like, around the time this movie was released. So it was very, like, at the same time. That's dumb. There was probably a good handful that was like, he did Star Wars and this? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. How could he do both? Yeah. That's where I assume the energy of this negative review is coming from, uh, a little bit. 
I do too. Also, like, they don't go in, like, props were exaggerated. I'm like, no, that's how it looked. They were just, they were just doing the bit. They're just doing a bit, you know? Yeah, I'll, just, I'll move on from this one so we don't talk about fucking <laughs> Star Wars more. <laughs> but this is a three-star review from 2022 that says, This feels like it accidentally made it into our timeline, but was made in a slightly different dimension. Does that make sense? It does. Can't explain it, but I know what they're saying. Had you ever heard of this movie before I, rec- before I told you about it? No, I had no clue. I had no clue who was in it. I had no context for it whatsoever. No, I had no clue. This, this movie ex- didn't exist until today. The Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase version of my mother <laughs> brought this DVD into our house and then went back into cyberspace. That's the only reason I know about this movie is because we owned it on DVD. I have never heard anyone talk about this movie ever. Ever. Yeah, it's just... It doesn't fit into our dimension somehow. Yeah, it just doesn't... There's just something off about it. I I get that. I get that now. Yeah. Two stars from 2022. All this made me think about was how much I love Mad Men. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. God, I love Mad Men. Yeah. It's a good show. Great show. It's such a good show. It's it's an amazing show. A one out of ten from IMDb titled All Big Budget (laughs) from 2020. I gave this flick one star because it features Rachel Dretch. She has talent and character, but her role is very brief. Otherwise, this flick is nothing but big fancy sets and incredible clothing. The satire never rises to the surface. Most of the actors express themselves with no talent. The music will peel paint off the walls, and the plot is carried off so poorly you forget what the story is supposed to be. I am sure most of the actors wish this film would just disappear off the earth. I doubt that very much. I bet the actors really like this movie. No, this movie is better than that and what this description is. I think the actors did amazing. I bet they're really proud of what they did in this movie. All right. I mean, I think they did great. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to say that they're wrong about the plot. Like, yeah, it gets a little <laughs> gets a little lost in the magic. If there's one thing I critique about this movie, it's probably the plot. Yeah. Two stars from 2017. The plot twist was literally the most shocking thing I've ever witnessed in my life. M. Night Shyamalan, retire, bitch. You're done. <laughs> You're over. It did come out of fucking nowhere. It did. It did. I get it. Yeah. No stars from 2020. Truly a movie that defies rating. Absolutely cursed and absolutely blessed. If I had designed the costumes or sets for this movie and then gotten no Oscars nor even a damn nomination, that would be my villain origin story. Also, where is the Vicky McManus spinoff movie? I I would also agree. Like, I don't understand why this movie wasn't nominated. This movie was... Above and beyond. Above and beyond. Like, almost its own character. The aesthetic and style. and yeah. Another no stars from 2019. I don't know where I was in 2003, but I was obviously under a rock. I knew about his title, but didn't know anything about it. Really impressed. Watched on DVD and would like to revisit in HD because there's so much detail in the production design and art direction. Hilarious script and performances. Not a single nomination for Academy or Golden Globes from what I can tell. If this was a 2018 film, it would be a major contender for production. Yes, for production. Uh, They would have to change things about the plot, definitely. But yeah, Production, yes, absolutely. Four stars from 2021. McGaslight, McGatekeep, McGregor. (laughs) (laughs) Very fantastic. There is so much to love about this movie. It really commits itself to the 60s, and I really would have believed this was a movie made in that time if it wasn't for the cast. The very obvious projected backgrounds in the car, the opening credits, the dialogue, how playful it is with the divided screen. It exudes so much 60s energy, and it is always hilarious. Agreed. Again, the production is just amazing. Yeah. It really is. I think this is our last review. It's a 10 out of 10 from IMDb from 2003. This was four days after they watched it. Damn. Just by the way. Okay. 
just because I read this first sentence when I was finding them, and then I looked at the when they wrote it, I was like, I you I would have thought this was years later, but okay. Um, ah, yes, I still have my ticket stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Four days later, like oh, good for you for not throwing it away. I don't I don't know. Okay, okay. Um, May sixteenth, two thousand three, for seven fifty p.m. cost me nine dollars. <laughs> Sorry, this sounds like a grandparent being like, we had to walk to school uphill both ways. <laughs> like, this person is very detailed. Like, they want to let you know exactly <laughs> the details of their experience. That's how much they loved it. They're like, you need to know this. <laughs> I've held on to this for four days. Uh, <laughs> I had a Twilight ticket stub in a jacket that I found. It has been in there for like six years or something. <laughs> um, but anyway, it cost cost me nine dollars but for me it was worth every penny just the way it ran was so smooth and it was just happy and bright and hilarious especially the innuendo felt austin powers-esque in some scenes ewan of course was so amazing in this and one of my favorite things is his southern accent he puts on when he plays sit martin he does it so well for someone scottish and actually uses his real voice throughout the movie but with more class renee was also good i heard she couldn't fit the part but in my opinion she did it perfectly Personally, besides Ewan, David Hyde Pierce was amazing. I think he's so awesome and naturally funny and did his part as Peter very well. In fact, the whole cast did. I wouldn't mind spending another $9 to see it for a second time. Well, wow. it's, it, apparently it's still in theaters. It's been four fucking days. It's only been four days. <laughs> I love that. That's that's so funny. That's just a funny little detail. They're like, uh, they probably thought of that first line and they're like, oh, I want to wait longer. But like, <laughs> but I want to let people know it's good. <laughs> I got to let the people know. <laughs> You, do you have something to say about the Austin Powers thing? Yeah, I was like, it, it gives that early 2000s comedy vibe. 60s. Yeah, yeah. I'm scared to ask you this. Hmm. What would you rate this movie? Um, I'm going to put it at a 6 out of 10. I get it. I think I would give it like a 7.5. The production design is beautiful. I love the actors in it, but those can't hold all of your attention for the whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish? No, I think I said everything. Okay. So if you want to reach us and give us any feedback or any suggestions for movies, you can reach us on our Instagram at Easy Big Takes. And we also have a TikTok at Easy Big Takes. We have our website, easybigtakespodcast.com, where we post our review overviews and transcripts of our episodes. We also post our review overviews on Letterboxd, where you can also follow us. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen. Leave a review if you can. Share us with a friend because it helps us out a lot. And... Thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.